Well, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. How have you been doing? I'm doing well. I've had some coffee. It's mid-afternoon and I'm staring at a laptop. I've been writing my arse off for the past few weeks. Uh, since, yeah, since the end of March, I'm now 57,000 words into uh, my first book. Guys, this is good. It's getting there, you know. I mean, it's months away from getting finished, but I just thought I'd bring you, bring you up to speed on that. But um, yeah, I'm also staring at a copy of The Talented Mr. Ripley, which is very convenient because next week, hopefully next week, I will bring you a pretty massive deep dive we had on The Talented Mr. Ripley. I say we because I had a chat with David Menkin and uh, Andrew Wilson, Andrew Wilson, the official biographer of Patricia Highsmith and, and a fantastic author. And then David Menken, who is a voice actor and who actually voiced the uh, original audiobook for uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, which you can find on Audible. And I've listened to that about 30,000 times this year. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we get three of us get together and we sort of pull the book apart and what have you. If you haven't read it, read it now. Okay? Do it. It's basically one of the best books in in the world ever. In the world ever, said the wannabe writer. Yeah. Anyway, we all know that. And also the film is incredible. I've watched it recently and again for like, you know, the 80th time or whatever. You don't lose anything. It never loses anything. The potency of that film, its beauty, the the skill at which uh, Mengele gets the book onto the screen is pretty sublime. Anyway, enough of my yakking. This week we have the one and only... That's right. Uh, I've never done that before. That was just from my mobile phone. Uh, It's evidence. Do you know who evidence is? If you're a regular listener to the Limehouse podcast, you'll probably know that I've had people like B. Dolan on the show and Sar Rock... So two um, uh, up and well, one up and coming rapper, the other one, B. Dolan, more of a sort of um, bit of a cult, cult classic, cult hero within the world of uh, rap R&B. So evidence is in the similar vein, although he's he's worked with some pretty high level mother truckers, uh, Kanye West, for example. And we talk a little bit about that. But obviously, this is the Limehouse podcast. So we talk about the whole thing, the whole journey, uh, and and a little bit in between. Try and get political, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think we dive too deeply into the politics because, frankly, I don't think he was up for it, and I don't blame him because it's everywhere, isn't it, at the moment? Truth and lack of it, and the twisting of it. So yeah, we just talked about Venice Beach and where he grew up. We talked about. Um, how he builds a track, how he builds it with samples. And that really, really, really interests me. His music, his new album, which is coming out soon, is is such a treat. Sorry, actually, it's out now. Um, it's available in all good Spotify's. And I, I suggest you give it um, a listen. I mean, I'm... I, you see, this is the thing, right? I'm not the world's biggest, like, R&B, I don't know, hip-hop kind of, like, connoisseur at all. But... This music, like with any genre, it cuts across. 
So it doesn't really matter whether you are into it or not. It's just so, it's so easy to groove into it. Like he's got this fantastic um, instrumental series. He's got like, I think three, four albums where it's just instrumentals, just samples and what have you. And it's so groovy. You can just imagine it in a Tarantino movie. Need I say any more? Um, but yeah, his his new stuff, like Un, uh, Un, Unlearning Volume 1. He's also got a fantastic album, whether or not. He's got a single coming out. Um, Throw It All Away, um, Pardon Me is is fantastic. You know, he, he, he also like does loads of stuff, collaborations with people like Alchemist, you know, um, Boldy James and all these kind of people that if you don't know, do check them out. They're well worth it. And he's obviously on Rhyme Sayers, which is a fantastic label. Uh, and they have some, they, oh man, they have some incredible artists on there. So I, I do suggest you check out Rhyme Sayers as well, just for if you do like this conversation, you like his music, the way, the way he talks, that label represents a lot of those kind of people, man. It's, it's so much fun. And, um, yeah, you don't, you don't have to, like, for example, I think what got me into, into more hip hop, more R&B kind of thing, not, I keep saying R&B because I I don't know why I say that. I, when I say R&B, I mean rhythm and blues, old school, like Fleetwood Mac, you know, Yardbirds. So, but anyway, but listening to Huey Morgan, I think has helped me a lot. And if you guys do listen to, if any of you listen to Six Music, that, for me, has this is a good chat because it's a good crossover. And if you don't listen to Six Music and you want to kind of broaden your horizons a bit, this is also a good chat. So there, there you go, there you go. But um, yeah, just a little bit of of um, housekeeping. Oh God, hate it when podcasters say that. But it's the only way you can really, you know, pivot onto what needs to be said next, which is please help me. Please help me. That's a little old lady uh, walking up the stairs and her walking sticks falling down. Please help me. Please help me with my uh, with my website. That's what I'm trying to get to. Get to it. Um, somedaysadiamonds.co.uk Somedaysadiamonds.co.uk Why do I... Yeah. Why? Because there's my blog on there. You can get the Limehouse podcast episodes on there. You can watch my short film that's up there. I even did a comedy pilot quite a while back. And I think it's funny and great. So do check that out and do support me. I'd I'd really appreciate that because, first of all, thank you for listening. And if you do enjoy this this show, then the, the best way to help me, to support me, is by basically carrying on supporting my art, my art. Ugh, God. Us Brits have such a terrible time with promoting ourselves, don't we? It's like, it's like creep. It's, it just makes my skin crawl, but you've got to do it. Um, anyway, um, yeah, do that. Somedaysadiamonds.co.uk And then listen to some evidence because you'll like it. And that's what life's all about, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And then after that, I read it down to Mr. Ripley for next week. Yeah. Or, or maybe maybe Danny Mac- McNamara next week. Who knows? I've had so many great sh- chats recently. Danny McNamara from Embrace. That was an amazing conversation. Can't wait to bring you that one. But yeah, on 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 uh, on that, blah, blah, blah. See you later. Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the show on Instagram at Limehouse Pod on, on, on Twitter. So feel free to reach out. Okay, Ed.
Simon, Kevin. The Limehouse Wall of Fame. I salute you, each and every one of you. Dude, I love it. I'm loving this new, this, 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 the new singles, especially like "Pardon Me," man. I was just listening to that, and as soon as I, I heard it, like I don't know, I don't know, week, two, three weeks ago, whatever, I was like backing vocals. Like I don't know what it is about me and backing vocals, but as soon as I hear it, it was just like instant love. What? How? Yeah, good looking. Yeah, how did you build that track? Uh, that that's a funny one. The um, well, I built it. Animos made the beat, and Animos is like um, I don't know if you know his work, but yeah, he's yeah. crazy. You know everything, Rock Marcy and um, Brownsville Ka and you know Matt, like a lot of stuff, like real notable records he's made. Um, so I got I've been trying to work with him for the longest. He sent me a lot of beats. That one sent. I was like, there it is, right there. Um, I had just made the song Unlearning, and it was like, oh, this reminds me of that, but not really. All right, cool. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, it's almost a thread. Yeah. And then um, did the vocals, and I, I did the vocals, like, kind of just really wanted to get out what I wanted to say. And I had the timing in my mind, so I said it and got the timing of it right before I forgot kind of how I wanted to say it. Sometimes you'll write, and then if you don't say it right, then you come back look at the paper and sometimes you don't remember like the where the stops and starts are if you don't like mark it yeah, correctly yeah. you know and so i just wanted to get it out and it was, it was kind of subdued but there was something being really low like that where i could dance a little differently than when i'm like projecting right. you know yeah. um uh, orbited my son gave me more living tour ridden all these like syllable things i could say i'm real good and then um so i tried i went to, I, Oh, it's to, to finish. So I went to Alchemist Studio and I tried to re-kick it and uh, like on the clean mic and it, it just, I didn't come off right. It felt too performed. So I just kept that taken. The lyrics are very, uh, like almost like a stream of consciousness. Like, can you talk me through your, like your building, you're building the yeah. verse there. Yeah, I just wanted to speak it, just talk it through. Um, I've noticed like when people are like talking, talking, like they're not like rapping at actually kind of like I find myself like this you know what I mean like listening like this yeah. so that was kind of like the vibe for this one it really wasn't like a yeah, yeah. you know what I mean like kind of driven rap um I think it's just a testament to the people I've been around I've been around I've been out studio a lot you know navy blue earl all these people like I'm not um not copying anything but I'm definitely a sponge and you know some of that might have rubbed up and for a good for a great in a great way i hope but carlos santana always talks about like single notes being as powerful or more powerful than like a really explosive guitar solo and i wonder if i don't know man like whether you can yeah right sure. i thought you might appreciate that because uh well you know i'm listening to your music and like it's i i think that's what i love about some of your samples they just like can be just single notes or tiny little guitar riff that's barely even one note or sorry barely even two notes rather like does it does, does does that mean anything to you? Yeah, I think that 
I love the blueprint of hip hop. I've never strayed away from it. it it's still my, it's still mind blowing to me. So <clears throat> if you take usually in anything from math to anything, if you take everything back down to its origin and then you can expand yeah. on it, you know? And so I always really, the thought of that shit intrigued me to a place that I, I never got over. And that is, you know, um, having a record and not really the fucking with the whole song, but some for some reason you like one little piece of the song and so hmm, what could i do here well, i can get another turntable and then i can play that piece and i can switch it over here and then when that's done i can switch it over here so essentially djing is a human first human yeah. sampling you know and then the thought of the thought of maybe the party is not rocking so i'm going to push i'm going to push this uh turntable to plus eight real quick because i need people to move and now it's out of key and it's not in anything correct, but yet it's making everyone do everything that brought made rhymes happen and made people dance to it and everything else. And so it's like this, it's like a renegade art form, you know, and that's what I loved about it so much. So that like the more music gets correct to me, it moves farther away from like that yeah. blueprint. And so I'm stuck, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm not open to expanding because of course I am, but I still love, you know, I, I always said like the best rap to me is something that a band would have a hard time playing <laughs> because it's um, something about it is not really technically or musically correct, you know, but something about it is what makes it yeah, so definitely, great. You know? Definitely. Um, how's your time on rhyme says anyway, man, because I've spoken with um, Sarah Rock uh, a, a little while ago, man, I said a little while ago, that was like when her album just came out, which feels like only yesterday, but that's like a year. Um, like uh, how are you finding, how are you finding that? that relationship because they those guys are um, unbelievable yeah it's a it's a relationship that just um that makes sense and and is functioning you know it's like i really have freedom Mm -hmm. to do what i want and um they're there to help push my vision through so it's like but i mean it's just like it's really important to have those the the good people around you you know and how priceless that is i think it's all about your goals you know if if you're making music and you're shooting for that place then that's what you're doing and then that's then you kill that with me right now i've i'm enjoying my freedom and and um being independent and doing it myself with Mm. my team and i'm trying to reach a to b as as much as possible so without any filter as much as i can and um without shows right now it's it's tough to see people in person but i still feel like it's possible through interaction on social media um dropping a lot of videos doing what i can on on that side and then you know when things open up i think it'll even be iller because i'll have a new appreciation for the for the show you know this slow re-emergence you know it's just going to be exciting there's gonna be a new level of appreciation definitely but um everyone's gonna be rusty <laughs> as shit everyone's first show is gonna be terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you better rehearse motherfucker. You yeah better rehearse. i like, got a vision of like i don't know like someone a, a shitty punk gig in london a band getting i don't know a beer chucked on them for the first time in like two years and being just like, Whoa, what do we do? What did, how did we do? What did we do before this? I mean, what is this? Jesus, there's no social media to protect us. Um, so look, can we go back to the beginning a bit and like where, where music, um, kind of entered your life? Like when that when, when that first 
romance started? I don't know. Just Venice Beach had mad shit going on, you know? So you're just seeing wild shit happen. And usually there was music playing behind it. I think I liked, I like, I came up on MTV era. So I like pop records that were presented to me as everyone did. Those were the hits. And then there was shit that people didn't, that I didn't, or actually nor their normal people didn't know about. Though. So that was college radio or the homies who had tapes or tastemakers putting people up on shit. I always enjoyed that more than what was just being presented to me um, for two reasons. One, because it was different and not everyone knew about it. And two, the integrity of the music seemed different than like things that were overly polished yeah. and put out. And so, yeah, just since the beginning, uh, always had music as a soundtrack, skateboarding to graffiti, whatever music was. This, this is something very cool and very 90s about about you and i'd love to get to the i don't know i'd love to get, get a picture of what that was like do you know what i mean like skateboards graffiti uh like the bit of the grimy sense of venice beach like what was that like for you like as a as a kid it's the, it's the same thing if you go down there right now and somebody's 15 year old 15 years old down there right now the difference is venice wasn't really um venice was was just not it's it's been gentrified you know what i'm saying it's high the price value for fucking venice property is ridiculous you know what i mean so it was a different kind of environment that's all it was it was ghetto at the beach so it was just you know yeah it was that and so now it's it's the, those elements are are still there but it's um you know it's more corporate and it's it's different when did you like first find guys around you people around you that were into your your own kind of particular love of music like when did that first come into it seventh eighth grade Brilliant. you know so probably how old are you then 13 13 14 Perfect. you know yeah, like yeah, that yeah. type of thing right around then and then you know whoever my friends were were the, were the same type of thing like you know i, I hear an nwa tape at the time was it's hard to describe what that sounded like at that time when things weren't like, right. that, you know, so that, I mean, that's the, that's the, the beauty of it. And then sometimes the downfall is like trying to show somebody like what was dope to you and they don't, they're not getting it. Cause it's like, yeah, I understand. Cause you're not understanding the climate of what was going on at that time, you know, and you had to kind of be there. So some music like that music aged really well, but sometimes it's like, you know, it's not even about the music so much. It's about like the your life and what you were doing at the time when those songs were playing. So it's like nostalgia and music is crazy, you know. What kind of interests me is is the vi a violence, the uh, the language used in some of the songs, um, even today. Like obviously today, and and what kids are are exposed to, and how violence and truth seems to be just mashed into shit at the moment especially these days like was it purer back then was it easier to believe and know a truth than it than it is now in, in music i'm saying now you could look up anybody and, yeah. on anything and find out everything about them back then we just had to take your word for it right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly man 
Might be, might have, no, it's it's definitely easier now. Everything's transparent. Do you think, man? Come on, like the world is so twisted and like, uh, you know, the... Not, a, not in, information-wise, there's more information out there than ever. Everyone's disposable. Yeah, but I, I feel like personally, like the, the truth is hard to get at. That type of stuff is, that type of stuff is delicate, man, because if you do it, if you make it corny and you do that shit, then it's really yeah, bad. Yeah, that's true. You know? If that's true to your heart and that's the type of shit that's the type of shit you really yeah. be on then yes you know and i'm not saying people should ignore it and just rap about whatever but like like anything else if you're speaking on death or speaking on anything if it's not like true and you're not really dealing with it it's like you it's not yeah it comes through as fake so to the people who who really can provide that then i want to hear from them and then Maybe some people that's not their mm. their thing. You know, maybe they can do that in an interview, or they can do that somewhere else. They don't have to do it on a song. <laughs> no, I I did want to know a little bit more, like about your kind of like the linear like life that you've you've had, man. Like when when you came out of seventh grade, uh, so influenced. Um, when was it like? When was it kind of possible in your mind to become an artist? Like when did that? Hey, look, I could do this. When did that happen? Um, that just being around, being around people close to me who were making it, you know, Alchemist and seeing Cypress Hill and the House of Pain and, you know, DJ Lethal who went to school with Raka, who was in, you know, there and like seeing people making demos, demos getting signed to labels, going on tour, having videos on TV. It seemed like uh, the blueprint for that was, had been shown how to do it you know so that that made it really uh the thought of that was exciting you know especially when you're that young and the world is in front of you it's like yo okay this is mm. this can happen maybe even before before being ready for it you know like uh lyrically or anything but having the mindset that it could happen preparing yourself that type of stuff when did you put the bands together anyway when did like um dilated uh, people's like when did that first when, when, when did you meet? Yeah, start, we met doing graffiti, you know, then we, we did a song, then, then there was some potential in that, and so we kept doing stuff. Then uh, the Trials and Tribulations, first thing never came out until 1998, yeah. Worked Angles, you know, and that's when it kind of popped off. We got a record deal in 2000, and then did four albums from 2000 to 2006. Yeah. And then started my solo shit 2007 and then been rocking with that What's, since. Um, can you talk about the musical landscape at like when you first signed in like 2000? Because that's like, I mean, that's only 21 years ago, but damn, yeah. that's a, you know, it's just a long time ago in terms of music. No, it's crazy. Yeah, it was just underground shit was popping off at Fat Beats. You know, the record store in LA was selling vinyl. Kids were tired of going to, well, at least the certain type of kid was tired of going to like music plus or warehouse or tower records or any of these places sold rap on CDs or maybe vinyl. They were trying to look for something different. There was a lot of artists who were pressing vinyl. Fat Beats was a store where you could buy that type yeah. of vinyl. And so there was a world that wasn't on the radar yet that was attracting attention to a certain amount of people. I was one of those and a lot of other people were too. So then we made music, pressed up our vinyl, put it in there. It was just the internet before the internet it was there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so now it's this, you put it, you put it on Bandcamp. What's the difference? It was the same thing. 
Um, and then that attracted promoters to shows and then the shows attracted the record company, you know, and then a, we didn't really try to make music different when we got our record. It was the same music we had had previous to signing. So, you know, it was kind of unorthodox, but it was a new approach and there was a lot of artists, raucous records and things was popping off and certain artists who were coming out of the same store, most deaf and things like that were selling gold and some were platinum and, you know mm. what I mean? So it was, people were jumping on it. Major labels got a wind and they jumped on it too. And that was a run and that yeah. shit was dope. But that that's yeah. when like music was, uh, yeah, tangible in your hands and what have you. Like, how do you feel that like it has changed stuff? Because I know you're like a, a big vinyl junkie and what have you. And obviously that's, you know, have such a massive resurgence over the past 10 years or so, but like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. People are buying physical product just yeah. a lot now again, you know, and they got it too. They got it for free on their stream. So that's cool. And then they got it. And they can get the physical if they're like a, a more in-depth fan, you know, but there's all, all kind of fans yeah. from all over. And so, you know, there's big rock groups out there. And I like, I'm say I'm a fan of, and I don't know all the names and the members of the band, you know? So it's like, and then there's some people who know everything about that band. So it just depends. <laughs> Guitar driven bands and, and, and influence in your music. Like what, what kind of music do you listen to, to like, um, cleanse your palate i dig through records all day long i'm listening to fucking endless greatness from fucking generations on you know shit that no one's ever heard or limited amount of people heard so i'm exposing myself to that all day long even if it's for looking for samples i'm still listening to yeah it. and so and I'm listening carefully that. yeah yeah you know well, what the, I mean? man so that's what i was um, trying to touch on earlier is like and i didn't articulate very well because that's me I was going to say real quick before I forget, it's like, you know, you hear the beat, but it's like how long till you found that loop? You might have listened. You might have might be the first record you put on. Or you might have had to listen for right. four hours to find that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. In that process, you're going to hear a lot. Of, that's not right. Mm, definitely. Definitely. So like how, how I mean, what's the longest you've like listened to to a track and then extrapolated something from it gone? Hey, uh, I could use that. I mean, I've listened to it 15 times now, but oh, finally, hey, look, there's something in there. Not that so much more like knowing I like this, knowing there's something in there, but I don't want to just do it the obvious way. So I listen to it a lot to try to figure out maybe there's a way I can do something else yeah. with it. Sampling is is rogue. <laughs> <laughs> it's, some, it's some other shit, you know what I mean? And, and that, once again, and so it's why hip hop is crazy because it's just like it's tapestry, you know, you're taking shit from different places and putting it all together. It's like, Man, still well, no. very much art. Yeah, yeah, well, no, exactly, man. That's kind of like um, what I meant with like, uh, pardon me, you know, like um, it's it's very laconic, like it is. It's very mournful, you know. And I and I know you've been through some shit, man. Like I, you know, I I I, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, or if it's a bit too painful. But I know that you you've you've gone through a lot, and uh, I I don't know. Do you think that informs your music, like whether or not you? I know you do talk uh, about it and what have you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I chose to, so there's no, it's not like awkward to bring it up. But yeah, I've been through a lot. There, there's been a lot of struggle and then there's been a lot of strength to come out of that struggle and a lot of finding myself and things I might not known I was capable of doing and then taking on the task and doing it. And so there's, there's been reward in, in a lot, in a lot of downside, in a lot of, you know, interesting time trying to raise a kid by yourself, no mom, and then trying to figure out the balance of how do I, be a dad and a mom the best I can. And that's tough. Cause it's like, for me, I had a mom and 
whenever I, my dad was like being the, the regulator or like the, the authority of the, um, the authority type figure, yeah. I, I could, I could always run to my mom for like, to find the, the peace in that. So now it's like, well, if I'm disciplining my kid, he got nowhere to run to, to feel that. So then I'm like, all right, so I got to find this place where I'm trying to like, mm. you know, and, and then if I don't, if I just let him wild out because I don't want to have him go through that, then he'll be an other right. type of kid. Right. And so it's like this big balance I'm learning every day. All everyone, I don't yeah. know if you're a parent, but you guys are all way ahead of me and super pro. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you're like on another level I, and I'm learning it as I go, but the, um, I chose to put some of the stuff on there because it, I wanted to, it could have been taken as maybe, you know, feel bad for me record, but no. it's not that it's, it's a, I want it to be like a strength record, you know, more than that. And, and then not ignoring what I'm going through in my life, just in the possibility of maybe having some other punchlines or making more uplifting shit. I think there's a lot of light in mm. dark shit, no, you know, and it's like, so. Yeah. I've suffered loss as well. And I, um, it, I think the older you get and that I don't think the older you get I think that's probably a little bit of bullshit I think the more I think when you've suffered loss like um that's when life really turns on like I know that's fucked up to say it but I think that's when life suddenly starts kicking in like in a in a good and a bad way like you're basically you are open to more sensory things like it's like um lockdown we, we lost our freedom right we lost and you suddenly become more aware of things that you weren't before and when you lose someone so fucking close to you beyond close who's a part of you it, it, you know in your case your wife for god's sake i mean it's like i i did the yeah there's like an element of basically sink or swim that is just life and that is just fucking life yeah, that's that that's all it is it's just 100 yeah, percent sink or and swim. I, and then, and then it's not about you, it's about him and all that type of shit. So, yeah, you know, I have the same conversations with my friends, honestly. We, I'm choosing to talk about it, and there's, there'll be people that I don't know listening, but it's really just what I've been going through. And um, I've done the feel bad for me attitude when I've you know, been by myself. There's been times crazy, like, real movie mm, shit where it's just like, this is fucking crazy. You know, And but then... Um, it's not going to work, man. If I keep doing that, it just ain't going to work. And so at some point, you know, I've been, I've been, um, carrying on. Just yeah. Well, just like keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. Right. It's like, keep on keeping on. But like one of my first questions for you, and I never ever make notes on interviews cause I do like to just try and have a conversation. Um, but it was based, <laughs> I'll read it out is, do you think life is about a chain of breaks slash breakdowns that hopefully we learn from? I mean, basically, it it's like, <laughs> I, I what else what else is life? It's it's so it fuck me, man. Some people coast through life, right? They can just coast. They, they never even realize how lucky they are. And then some of us who lose shit, we suddenly we are able to to appreciate more, but we carry that darkness with us. Um, and as you as an artist, I wonder how much that has influenced, influenced your mu your, your music, your ability maybe to, I don't know, intensify it, but just in every, every nook and cranny of every fucking song, not just lyrics, but like the backing vocals, you know, the beat, the fucking, um, uh, the guitar sample or whatever. 
you know, if if it's real honest expression, then it should just reflect whatever mood you're in and whatever you're going through. There's a reason you chose that. You know what I mean? You can choose anything. <laughs> you're choosing this, this two piece, you know, this two bars for people four minutes. You know, it's like obviously something there that's evoking some kind of emotion. So yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Um, but you know, this is this is a project I'm sharing. It's called Unlearning. It's not Weatherman record. So yeah. it's something different. And um volume one. And so it's this cap, this is like a I was feels like a this album feels like a capture of my of me more than yeah. performance. And so that's something different for me, which is tight and leaves me a lot of room to grow from here again and start over kind of on some new shit. So this record really sets me up. If I want to make a big fucking performance album next okay. album, I can. It's like I'm free right now to do whatever. And but I always yeah. just look back on like the, the the people that you've worked with. Is it is off? Is this fucking insane? I mean, do you just kind of just forget who you've worked with? You've collaborated with so many people, and and how do you even go about? beginning a collaboration like how does that even start i mean a lot of collaborations are the same way they are now in dms right it's just like yo i, I don't know you got this much is that in your budget and then if the rappers like need some paper or it could work or he might even like the shit then maybe he'll do it and if he doesn't like the mo motherfucker but the money's right maybe he'll do it and you know so it's the same thing like we were on capital records and we had a budget so like the you too can have this rapper yeah. <laughs> for this amount. And, you know, and so it's like some of it is special. The people who show genuine interest, that was, those are real. And those are special to me. The people that, for lack of a better term, that we bought. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or not, not even like bought, like in a bad way. Maybe, maybe they liked our shit. Maybe, maybe they fucked with it too. And it wasn't that, but like the people that were, some were for money more than mm. others, you know? And so the ones that were um, the real ones who genuinely fucked with what we were doing. Then I I respect yeah, the shit over them. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And it was so awesome. Just to, even if it, it was, I didn't know them, and they might, you know, we did some shit. Like just to you're you're right. Just to be in the room with some of those people was crazy, yeah. crazy. Because I know, like you work with um, Kanye uh, Kanye West and all that and whatnot. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Obviously. Yeah. Crazy. But I mean, to, for for people to love. Sorry, the name. What was the name of the track again? I've completely forgotten. The, the dilated song was this way, and then I got to produce Last Call on Yeah, like the super, super duper long, uh, amazing track. And like people go crazy for that one. And then, how does it, does that change? Does yeah. that change anything for you? Does that change your life? Do, I don't know. Does that change your life at all? Does I, I mean, it's producer shit. So it's like, it depends on how much you want to advertise <laughs> it. <laughs> Yo, look at me. I'm, don't forget, don't forget y'all. Reminder. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like that's like you know. So no, but it, it's for the people who know, and then they bring it up. It's fire. Got a Grammy from it, and got a nice, significant amount yeah. of money from it. So it was like, the shit, hella rewarding. Like and and yeah, it's amazing. That, that album is one of my favorite fucking albums. Not because I had anything to do with it, just because of the time, how he broke through. I was there to see yeah. it happen. So once again, nostalgic to nostalgic to a lot of people the career it led to yeah well because you know i'm saying it's just like wow that was really but, amazing to just be there 
for that you know like forget that i was even involved in it like, then there's really a well, big bonus. yeah i mean jesus wept but i mean like basically you're just running around with kanye west right driving around or you're just hanging out and then the next thing fucking hell like this album's blown up and you're associated with it in a big way i mean that's something I just got lucky, man. Right place, right time. That's all that was. I've, I had that beat for years. I had given it to Alchemist to try to show it to Jay-Z. I had done everything. You know, it just I had a beat with a sample that said Mr. Rockefeller on it. So I'm like, somebody got to fucking use this shit. You know what I mean? Or or, or somebody else from their camp's going to find this and use it. You know what I mean? But uh, it, it was me. I guess he had, you know, it was Bette yes. Midler. That was yeah, the funniest yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah, and then she didn't clear the sample and then got complicated. And that's where he really stepped up and showed that he's ill because he had it all redone and interpolated and different. I would have just tapped out and said, sorry, you know, instead he, and that's why it says produced by him and me instead of me. Cause it's like, truth be told, when this shit got denied the sample, he fucking went in there and produced the shit. Didn't he have like mm -hmm. a, a guy sitting there, basically a record company guy going, no, that's too much like the original. No, you could do it again. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. It was just that back and forth. He left a lot of my elements of the beat in there, you know, and then put his stuff on top. And then, but, um, I love that. Yeah. But yeah, just the whole thing was, it was crazy. That the fact that that sampled led to him writing those mayonnaise color bins, color miracle with that beat is what made him write those lyrics. That's the other yeah. shit. You know? Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love the yeah. journey. Um, yeah. But that is so cool. Can I like? I know we've got like literally two minutes, but I just wanted to touch quickly on like your music videos, man, because I just, you know, from like dilated peoples to to your your stuff now, like your your concepts are fucking awesome. Um, is it all your vision? Is it a collaboration again? Uh, this one is pretty. Yeah, sometimes people throw ideas at me. Um, You'd have to ask me specifically. This album, I pretty is pretty much just yeah, no help and that, I mean, like anybody influencing me because I'm just right. sitting here by myself yeah. doing it pretty much. I was watching Panic Room the other day, like the Fight Club, you know uh, that guy. I've forgotten his fucking name now. God, that's so embarrassing. Um, and I was just like, some of this shit is like music videos because that's what he was in, he was into before he did it, and all that kind of thing. I just love, <laughs> I, I love it, man, because like the inspiration to the thing about music videos is like you need you need pretty specifically amazing inspiration nowadays to cut through the song is good if the song's great fine that's one element but the music video because it's all been done man it's like to a degree that's why i'm just standing in front of a car and then just saying let's get a really cool camera that no one's seen and shoot it with the film stock that no one's used and let's just focus on the the, the actual cinematography more than we're trying to like do something right. crazy and so that's been the idea this time because yeah it's it's all been done but i love diy and i love that people are can get a camera go edit the shit the same night and have a video out the next day and then it's just it's and that's what a lot of people are doing so i just don't feel like it's the big video time right now with that said i'd like to do it <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was it would have to be right. You know what I mean? Have to figure yeah, out. Yeah, Evie, man, it's right. your lucky day. I have $5 million for your new music video. Um, dude, it was David Fincher, the director. Uh, he, if oh, you right, haven't right, seen right, Panic right, Room right. or you have and you haven't seen it in a while, man, check it out because it's fucking great. It's like, oh, 
I think it gave me. Oh my god! It gave me extreme anxiety. Like I've just moved to a new fucking house, and we're like, I'm going down stairs every night, like checking the doors like five times before I go to bed, thinking like Forrest Whitaker's going to come in and like, I don't know, I don't know, do something nasty. Um, but yeah, look, thank you so much for your time, mate. Um, it's been cool to meet you. I'm sorry that the internet connection hasn't been all that good. Um, are you ever coming over to the UK? Uh, it's looking like next year will be the time. Right now, everything I'm seeing is for September and uh, October, November, that type of stuff domestic, oh, in the States. And then thank you, Maji. It means a lot. Look after yourself. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Yeah.